welcome to the Student of Money podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Niemeyer. The mission of Student of Money is to connect listeners like you to a community of like-minded individuals to help you achieve your goal of financial freedom through entrepreneurship, investing, real estate, and personal development. This is episode 44. All right, guys, we've got another awesome guest on the show this week. We sit down and talk with Greg Dickerson. Greg is a serial entrepreneur, a real estate developer, a coach, and a mentor. He has bought, developed, and sold over $250 million in real estate, built and renovated hundreds of custom homes and commercial buildings, developed residential and mixed-use subdivisions, and started 12 different companies from the ground up. Greg currently coaches and mentors some of the top entrepreneurs, real estate investors, and real estate developers across the United States. So without further ado, let's get started. Greg Dickerson, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, I'm glad we could get you on. Uh, I've been watching your content and uh, checking you out. It sounds like we're a lot of like-minded individuals. We both started from reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki's first book. And uh, for those people that are listening to us or why are watching us on YouTube, can you give me a little bit of your background and history? Yeah, I'll give you the long story short. So um, I'm a serial entrepreneur, real estate investor and developer. Uh, bought, developed and sold over a quarter of a million, quarter of a billion uh, in real estate using my own funds, uh, started 12 companies along the way during that period from 1997 till basically, uh, well, no, 1990 to 2004 or five. Um, you know, I started with nothing, built a company from zero to 30 million uh, in seven years, started 12 other companies along the way, reinvested the profits into real estate, ultimately cultivating at about 250 million in real estate uh, deals that I did myself using my own cash, did you know, hundreds of millions with investors and partners. And uh, also, you know, uh, bought, uh, started, bought, scaled multiple companies worth hundreds of millions over the years. Currently involved, uh, co-founder in a tech startup right now that's uh, that has a billion dollar uh, valuation track. And, um, you know, the cool thing is I started with absolutely nothing. I went in the Navy right out of high school, did not go to college, had no formal training as an entrepreneur. Nobody in my family were entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, my dad was career military. My mom, you know, worked for Blue Cross and Blue Shield for 30 years. So, Everything I did, everything I you know do now, uh, I am self-taught, self-educated. You know, personal professional development poured into myself over the years, and you know took action and just made it happen. So you know, I'm one of those guys that if you say let's go do something, you know, we're going to do it. You know, so that's kind of that's kind of how I'm wired. And my long story short, yeah, there's a lot there to unpack. You sounds like you've done a lot of stuff, and you know, let's go back to back in 97 or when did, when did you actually start looking at that and trying to figure out what's your path? You said you started several businesses. Obviously you said you read rich dad, poor dad. Let's take us back to that beginning because a lot of times for those people that are just starting out, you know, that's the critical time. Now we've got momentum. Now we've got that experience. So it's a lot easier for us. And, and, but you know, we both mentor people that are just getting started, whether it be in real estate or in business. So let's go back to when you first got started on how you kind of weaved your way through the process. Yeah. So natural born entrepreneur. So as a kid, if I needed something, my dad would not give me money. He said, you need to go figure out a way to pay for it. So I'd go knock on doors and, you know, cut grass, rake yards, you know, wash your car, whatever. Hey, Jeff, boom, boom, boom. My name's Greg. I live down the street. I need some money. What do you need done? I'll do anything. So that's how I learned how to create something out of nothing, solve a problem, and that creates value. 
problem was long grass, dirty car, dogs that need walking, whatever, kids needed babysitting. So that's where I learned entrepreneurship. And then, you know, went to high school, got out of high school, went to the military. I did retail in the military. So I did get some, you know, business training in terms of accounting, you know, things like that. Uh, we took care of the ship stores and vending machines and barbershops and laundry, that kind of thing. So a little bit of retail training there, some classes. Uh, then when I got out of the military uh, in uh, 1990, it was 85 to 89, 90. <clears throat> you know, I worked in restaurants and construction. That was the only two things I ever did. And, um, you know, I had a job usually in a restaurant. And then during the day, I would work construction. And, uh, you know, there was a guy that was doing an addition on a restaurant I was working in. He hired me to come clean up after him as a laborer. I'm a hard worker. So he, you know, offered me a job and, you know, I followed him around and started learning uh, from him. And then uh, eventually I started my own little construction company and, uh, you know, doing just odds and ends. And, you know, that my first one didn't work out. Uh, then fast forward to, you know, 1997. So that was between 90 and 97 that I did the restaurant thing, got into management in the restaurant business. So I gave up the construction thing for a couple of years. Uh, I was with Lone Star Steakhouses. I don't know if anybody remembers that company, but I was a you know district manager for them. Uh, you know, I got transferred to, you know, Western North Carolina from Virginia. I was from Virginia Beach mm -hmm. and uh, I was managing a bunch of restaurants out there. And I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted to move to the Outer Banks of North Carolina and open a restaurant. I wanted my own business. So, uh, you know, I'm from Virginia Beach. Outer Banks is where I always wanted to live. So I moved there in 1997 uh, is when we moved to the Outer Banks. And, um, you know, I started my first little, you know, I didn't get into the restaurant business after the first season there. I worked in some restaurants, didn't like it. So I was trying to get an addition put onto the house uh, that I bought and get some other stuff done. Nobody would call you back. So again, you know, you couldn't get anybody because everybody was so busy. It was at the beginning of the building boom, 1997, 98. And, um, you know, I was talking to my neighbors. I'm like, what's going on? Everybody I call, nobody will return your phone call. Where there's a problem, there's an opportunity. So they said, yeah, everybody's so busy. They literally answer the phone when they're done with one project. Whoever's on the line, that's where they go next. So I said, okay, I'm going to start a little business. I've got some skills. So I started that little remodeling handyman company in 1997. And I was doing whatever, change a door lock, put a screen on your window, you know, whatever. So I did 250,000 uh, in sales my first year. Seven years later, I was doing 30 million. I was one of the largest builder developers there. I grew and scaled that company, started 12 other companies along the way. I was home every night for dinner, coached every sport my kids played. They were little at the time when we moved there, like three and five or two and four, somewhere in that range, preschool. And, um, you know, so I was, I was at every event, attended every class play, every birthday, every celebration, home for dinner every night, took four to six weeks off a year, vacation every year, and did all of that, zero to 30 million, you know, a couple hundred million in real estate deals during that period, 12 different companies on the board for, you know, multiple nonprofits, you know, Sunday school teacher at church, youth leader at church, you know, coached all the sports on, you know, chairman of the uh, remodeling council, you know, on the board of the Home Builder Association, you know, all of that, all at the same time. So that's kind of my journey in terms of, you know, how I made that happen. And the real trigger for me was I moved to the Outer Banks to open a restaurant. I was working for a guy that had a couple of restaurants that first season I was there. And I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And um, I read The Power of Positive Thinking. And it was really Rich Dad, Poor Dad that opened my mind to becoming who I ultimately became. And The Power of Positive Thinking kind of opened my mind to, well, I can do anything I want if I have the right mindset, which I kind of knew because I was into personal professional development, you know, pouring into myself. I knew I wanted my own business and I knew where I was going to ultimately be. But when I read those two books, it kind of connected the dots for me. 
And I know you said Rich Dad, you know, was a was a critical, you know, book for you. Um, what did you get out of Rich Dad, Poor Dad? What was your main takeaway from that book? My main takeaway from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he talks about how when he was a little kid, they would melt down toothpaste tubes that were made out of like back then they were soft metal. They're not the plastic that they are today. And he would mint his own money, his own coins. Well, they were, uh, you know, they were forging their own currency, essentially. <clears throat> and he says, well, you can't do that. That's called counterfeiting today, his dad told him. But when, so my takeaway was there where he talks about how to make money out of nothing. So that, so not only the very first thing they talk about where the rich don't work for money, they work to build assets. But when you can learn how to create money from essentially from nothing, that was my takeaway. So every time I create a new entity or a new corporation, it's like spanking a brand new baby to life that's going to go out there and create another revenue stream for me. Um, and then I was more impacted by his second book, The Cash Flow Quadrant, which really talk about the E, the S, the B, the I. Uh, but my big takeaway was, yeah, work for assets. Don't work for money. Don't trade your time for money. And then learn how to make money out of nothing. So what you brought up with the fact that the the what an entrepreneur and a business owner does is fix problems, right? They, they identify a problem and then they try to fix it. Um, my question is, is how did you stay, what was your mindset on this? Because you were very, very busy. And just like you, I kind of made a promise to my wife as I was doing this, that we were raising small children. I had to pick them up from daycare. We had to be there at five o'clock. I had the weekends off. It's like, how do you build this business? Stay, in, stay focused, manage your cash flow, which was difficult for me while you're building a business and then having that mentality. Yeah. So I'm a leader, delegator, motivator, and that's what I teach people. So I studied leadership. I developed myself as a leader. I think I'm a natural born leader as well. You know, my dad went in the military, enlisted. He was a little bosun's mate, basically a laborer in the military. And he was frocked as a warrant officer and came out as an officer. So, you know, that's a very highly respected ranking in the military. And it's also a very difficult path that very few take. So he was a leader as well. So I don't know if you know, I don't ever remember any general direct leadership lessons from him, just hard work. You're like, he made me work hard. You know, I did everything around our house, all of the chores, manual with my hands, literally on my hands and knees, edging the yard with a hand trimmer, raking with a rake, sweeping with a broom. We didn't have any power stuff. We had a lawnmower, but that was it. Everything else was done by hand manually. So he taught me hard work and the, and the you know, benefits of that. But I don't, believe he really taught me leadership. I just have been a leader. So I was always a guy who was a captain of all the teams. You know, when I joined the military, I went in and enlisted. I was automatically just put as a section leader. You know, I was a leader in my division on the ship. You know, I just, that's just who I am. And I always just kind of rise to the top in everything I ever did. And all of the jobs I did, I was a leader. You know, I always got kind of put in that place. So that was kind of ingrained in me. And then back to rich dad, poor dad. So, you know, a lot of people get real estate out of that book, right? Like own assets, like a lot of people get, I want to be Robert Kiyosaki, I want to own all these assets. What I got out of Rich Dad, Poor Dad was I wanted to be Rich Dad. I didn't want to be Robert. I wanted to be Rich Dad because he was the guy that had all the businesses. Everybody was coming to him to, with the deals. He was mentoring and coaching everybody. He didn't do anything. He had everybody doing everything for him. Leverage. 
So that's what I did. I said, I want to be that guy. I don't want to be working in all these businesses. I don't want to be doing all these things. I want to be able to do whatever, what I want to do, when I want to do it, from anywhere I want to do it. So that's what I did. So I started creating businesses and generating cash flow, to your point, to invest in other assets that generated more cash flow to then invest in other assets. And I built my team along the way. So I'd never built a house before I started building houses. I didn't know how to do it. So what I do, I went and found the best people I could find that were, you know, had been there for years building the kind of houses I want to build. I hired them, put them in the right roles, and I let them run the company. I let them build the company with me and for me. So that's how I leveraged all of the talents, you know, skills, gifts, and abilities of everybody else. That's how I learned how to build houses, how to be a developer, was by working with and working through these other people. But I led them. I coached them to success. So I'm a leader, delegator, motivator. And my job was to lead that team, delegate everything out that I didn't know how to do, didn't like to do, didn't want to do, and then coach them all to success. I found the right people, put them in the right role, mm -hmm. and I let them do their thing and, you know, grew those organizations. That's how I grow organizations, you know, so quickly and how I'm able to scale so quickly and how I'm able to do projects anywhere in the world, you know, with teams that I've never met in person. Yeah, exactly. You know, Brandon Turner talks about the the visionary pyramid where on the bottom is the DIYers and then you've got the, the manager and then you've got the CEO. And then on top of that pyramid, you have the visionary who's just directing everything. And I think so many people start out as a DIYer and do-it-yourselfer, which is what I did. And, and that was my mistake and that was my flaw where you got to surround yourself with good people uh, the, that are, that are better than you. <clears throat> you know, the last developer I talked to said, hire good people and then get out of their way, let them do their thing. And, and they'll make you rich. hire good people, but hire people that are better than you, yeah. smarter than you and more talented you, than you. And we all have the DIY journey, right? So we all start out that way as an entrepreneur, you start out wearing every hat, you do it all I did. And mm -hmm. then you add, you know, as you go along and you fill in your weaknesses you know, with those other parts, you know, as you go along and, you know, you know, grow and scale uh, from that standpoint, the biggest problem that a lot of business people have is ego. So they don't want to bring somebody on who's smarter and better than them. They're intimidated. Whereas I looked at it the other way. I was like, I want the best, smartest, most talented people I can find that are way better than me because they're going to get us there faster. So I have no ego. I'm not intimidated by people who know more than me, who are better than me. And the other thing too is, so that pyramid, the other mistake people make is the pyramid, they see the CEO here, then, you know, the president and then the management and then the line people down here, right? My yeah. philosophy was always the other way around. You know, I lead from the bottom up. I always looked at the upside down pyramid where the CEO's at the bottom and then you lead up the chain, you serve up the chain because everybody in that organization needs, you know, that servant you know, leader to give them the tools, training systems and support and clear direction and no uncertain terms exactly what's expected and when so they can be successful. That's another mistake that a lot of people make in business. They start out here and they think I'm the boss. I'm going to direct. I'm going to give the orders. I'm going to do that. Whereas you got to flip it upside down. Your job is to serve everybody in that organization, your clients, your customers, your employees, your partners, your vendors, everybody in that organization, if it's a real estate deal, your lenders, your attorneys, you know, your investors, you know, the, the other side, the seller, the buyer, whatever it is, you're leading that transaction. You have to serve everybody. So when you look at it from that standpoint, as a servant, your job is to find the best people 
so that the organization is served and your customers are served and the community and the state and the world that you're trying to impact is served to the highest and the best that everybody can bring. Exactly. I, I, th I think, you know, management's job is to give the, the tools and the training to the people so that they can get the job done. And, and, and then you're bringing it from a more of a military type is you think of like a platoon commander, that's the lieutenant that's charging the hill and he's up front and he's leading by example. Uh, I just listened to a I just listened to a YouTube video with Warren Buffett from Berkshire Hathaway, and he was talking about all of these companies that he buys. Uh, he leaves whoever the founder is or whoever the person is that started that, like you know Nebraska Furniture Mart or something like that. The person that started that business stays in the business and runs that business for Berkshire Hathaway, and he says, you know, we we, we buy we buy that business, but we leave the management and the founders in place because it's still their company. And he says, and we really don't give them very much direction because they're already killing it and they're already, they're, they're already leading. And so we just kind of like get out of their way and, and they really have carte blanche to do what they need to do to continue to grow the business. And we just kind of touch base with them and send them a letter like every two, three years. So it's he really has this, like, let's buy a good company that already has awesome management already in place and just let them do their thing because they know their business better than we do. And and we don't want, they, they talked about how lean Berkshire Hathaway actually is on there have very few corporate employees at the very top. And, but he's just surrounded by all of these numbers of companies that, you know, these guys are already multimillionaires and billionaires, but they stay with their company because it's their baby. It's their company that they started with and Berkshire Hathaway, they just buy it. And they're just, you know, the owners, the share owners, but they let these guys run that because they're just surrounded by, you know, um, all this knowledge and all of this history. They don't try to, you know, it's like, if it's nothing's wrong with it, don't, don't try to fix it. Right. Just get out of their way and let them go. And Robert Kiyosaki talks about, uh, you know, this, the uh, A students work for the C students, you know, and he was a C student and he likes to hire A students and, and get, get good people around them. You know? So like I said, I, I meet with my CPA, I meet with my attorney. Uh, I, I meet, I, I have a, um, uh, I have a therapist that I go to that I actually, you know, this part of my circle too about, you know, how do I go, how do I go about like uh, building out these massive businesses and, and how do I run it and how do I, how do I balance family time with, with, with the company business and things of that sort too. So they're all part of my inner circle and they're all part of my team. And so that's why I joined masterminds. That's why I do coaching, um, you know, and that's why I also coach other people is because there's an added benefit from having to teach it to others that you have to learn it better than, than, than as well. So, you know, um, so, you know, you do a lot of mentorship, you do a lot of coaching yourself. Um, you know, let's talk about that for a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So I work with people all over the country and around the world, you know, doing all kinds of things on, you know, a lot of people getting into real estate development. I have a lot of people that are syndicating, you know, bigger real estate deals, People that are, you know, flipping houses, building spec houses, have building companies. And then I have people in traditional business where, you know, I'm helping them, um, you know, grow and scale their company, you know, become that leader that I'm talking about, learn how to become a leader, delegator, motivator. I work with a lot of medical and dental professionals and, you know, they struggle a lot with that, like in a dental mm -hmm. office or a medical practice, you know, leading a team and being able to, you know, efficiently manage and delegate, not be 
you know, tied down day to day. So it's it's really you know fascinating, and it's like people were just you know coming to me asking me for it. You know, going back to the whole you know Warren Buffett strategy. So that's kind of the strategy I employed in the business acquisitions and growth that you know I've done over the years. Is you want to find a you know a good business with a moat, and you want to have good management. And the way that I did you know the businesses that I did over the years was either somebody already had a business and they came to me because you know they wanted to scale it, and I would leave them in place and I would support them and help them scale, and I would bring the back office to it. You know, or it was somebody who was working somewhere, like I had a guy that was selling me pools and spas for all the properties I was building and developing and uh, multi-million dollar beach houses. And uh, he said, hey, you know, we could set up a company. I'll run it. You, you do this and that. And, you know, you'll be able to get pools at a discount. We can go serve the rest of the area. So, you know, he was working somewhere else, but he had this dream, but he didn't know how to make it happen. So I brought him on as a partner. We developed the concept and, you know, bought a building. That was an interesting creative real estate deal. Got a 30-year owner finance, you know, by the owners on a commercial building with no money down, another story. But um, uh, anyways, you know, we built that company up and, uh, you know, he was a great operator. He just needed that support. So all of, most of the businesses I've done, even the tech startup I'm in now, you know, I'm, I don't know anything in terms of, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm good with tech, but I don't know how to build an enterprise system, you know? So mm -hmm. we've got a whole team in India, we've got a team in the United States and we've got a CEO. My role is the visionary leader of how do you grow a team, lead a team, delegate, bring all the other parts to it, you know? So uh, it's it works in any industry. Well, when you know how to lead people, find champions and coach, coach them to success, it works in any industry. So that's what I help a lot of people do. Whatever it is they're doing, you know, I help them get their life back, grow and scale their enterprise, you know, go from zero to hundred million, go from hundred million to a billion, you know, do creative deals. I've got clients that I've taught how to take down a multi-commercial property portfolio, four unit portfolio, $10 million deal with no money out of his pocket, end up with a million dollars in equity and a hundred thousand dollars a year in cash flow when it closed. So, you know, all kinds of different things like that. And I've got one guy that played in the NFL for the New York Giants and he's doing his first ground up multifamily development. He wanted to create a uh, real estate development company and, you know, uh, have the second phase of his life after the NFL. So, you know, he hired me to you know mentor him and we're putting together his development company, working on some other projects and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. How do you, how do you find good people to partner with? How do you know if they're a good fit or how do you know, you know, that the, the, it's, if it's going to work out or not? Um, you know, so they I, all came to me and they already had something going. So they were either already in business or they, you know, like I said, were working in another aspect, uh, another company, and they just wanted to do their own thing. They just didn't have the resources or the know-how to do it, you know, which I didn't either. I just kind of learned along the way. But, you know, generally you can tell if, it, if it's somebody who's working hard, they've, you know, built something up and they're just missing a couple of pieces here and there. You can kind of tell, you know, who the right people are and aren't. You know, I don't go looking for them. They generally come to me. Pretty much everyone has sought me out. Yeah, so they're already productive and they're already kind of proving themselves. You know, I always think about, you know, again, if go back, there's a bunch of lieutenants. Who's the one that's going to jump out and start leading and basically take that position over uh, as opposed to somebody that's sitting back and not doing anything or not taking action? You know, because there's, there's a lot of people out there that just simply don't take action. They don't they don't lead. Uh, so yeah, they got to know what they're doing. So it's real easy to, to figure out whether somebody knows the business, really knows the business and knows what they're doing. You get into the numbers and the details and, you know, all of the aspects and the nuances, you know, I know how to ask really good questions and I can know real quick whether somebody knows what they're doing or not. And just like you can listen to somebody talk and you know whether they know what they're doing or not, 
And, um, you know, it's really interesting, even my clients. So, you know, I don't go looking for anybody. My clients find me, they reach out to me, but the one thing that they all have in common is they've all achieved some level of success somewhere in their business or their life. You know, so that's kind of the common denominator between, you know, people that I coach and people that I've done deals with, you know, over the years in business uh, is, you know, they're generally seeking me out. They're accomplished in some area of their life. And, you know, they know their craft. They know their trade. You know, they're experts at what they're doing. They just don't have the other pieces and components. And, uh, you know, that that's a really important aspect of it. Yeah, my big bot, hot button this year is to build. So I've been talking to developers and I've been talking to builders. And yesterday I met with a builder, a local builder, who's uh, 66 years old, has a very successful business, has built a lot and is still going. And I said, you're 66. It's like, you ever going to retire? And he's like, no, probably not. I just love what I do. And I'm just going to continue to work. And and every question I had, he had an answer for. He's already done it. He already knew. I mean, we know some of the same people. It's just, I've always bought pre-existing properties. I've never done any building or development of raw land where he has. And it was very evident. It was very obvious in our conversation with him that the experience that he's had and the things that he's done and then, uh, you know, so he he's potentially a very good partner for me moving forward. So, uh, and he's former military too. So it worked out very well for us. So, you know, we just kind of clicked. I just kind of, I just felt it and I kind of knew it right off from the beginning. So, you know, like you said, you could tell when, when somebody knows what they're talking about. The difference was, is our experience levels were completely different. So I'm always looking for somebody that can compliment me because he's a builder. I'm not a builder. You know, I do syndications, I raise money, uh, I talk about securities laws. So, you know, I was talking about things that he didn't understand. And then we talk about building and, and permitting and talking to city councils. Uh, you know, he was obviously way more experienced in that than I was. So, you know, to me, that's a good fit because we don't have the same skill sets. We're looking for something that can complement each other. Potentially. So you have to evaluate what level of builder is he and is he where you want to go? So can he build 100 homes a year or 1,000 a year or 15,000 a year? Or if you want to do multifamily, does he build multifamily? So you don't want to take a guy that's building, you know, a couple of two, three, 10 houses a year and think that he's going to go build a 250 unit apartment building. That's a whole different yep. animal, you know, commercial residence. So what you always want to think about is when you're evaluating potential partnerships or individuals or mentors, are they where you want to end up, you know, ultimately? And, and it doesn't have to necessarily be that way to start out. So if you just want to do a few spec houses and the guy builds, mm -hmm. you know, five or 10 houses a year, then, you know, that's fine. But if you want to scale something big, you need a partner that has that capacity and has that ability, you know, to be able to scale. And then, you know, maybe maybe they do or maybe they don't, you know, but those, those are the things that you really need to think about when you're getting into a partnership with somebody or doing deals with somebody. But yeah. You want to complement your expertises, fill in the holes, fill in your weaknesses. And, you know, the other huge mistake that people make in finding a partner or finding even, even their own employees in their company is, you know, pushing somebody to do something that they aren't wired for or they're not, they really don't have a desire for. So one of the biggest mistakes I ever made building my company was, you know, I want people to be successful. I want to help people grow. Not everybody wants to grow. Not everybody wants to be successful. Yeah. So I would have people in my company that I was like, man, you know, he, you would just be great, you know, and I really want to help you get to the next level. And they didn't really want it for themselves. They didn't come to me. I wanted to help them. I went to them. And every one of those situations, when I did that, really, there was only two, it failed both times. 
So I never did that again. It was always when somebody came to me. So when you're evaluating a partner, however that evolved or happened, that doesn't always have to work that way. In this situation, it's a little different. You're seeking out partners. You got to make sure that that partner has the capacity and the desire to get to where you want to get to if you want to grow and scale. Not everybody does. Yeah, that mentality, that culture, and 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 you know, let me get your opinion on this. Can can you are you born as an entrepreneur, or you think it could be something that's taught? So you know, my daughter uh, got a minor in entrepreneurship and, and, and with her uh, architecture degree, and you know that was one of the questions. And I'm like, oh, I love this. I'm gonna you know get, give me these softball questions because you know I personally believe, believe you can teach the skill sets, but you can't teach that motivation, that desire. That to me, you know, if you're going to be an entrepreneur. Uh, you really have to feel it and you really want to be able to do that. It's not something that you can teach. I can teach the skill sets, but I can't necessarily teach that desire and motivation. So that's the big one. So, you know, that desire and that motivation, the willingness to do whatever it takes morally, legally, and ethically to get the job done, you know, no matter what it takes. So even though I was home every night, weekends and all that, if I needed to work 12, 14, 16 hours, you know, five, six, seven days a week for a period, I would do that. You know, I would make sure I attended the other things that I was there. But there were times when I had to do what I had to do when I had to do it. And when I didn't have kids, I was working all the time, sometimes seven days a week, you know, 12, 14 hours a day, 16 hours a day, you know, doing things, building myself, building the company. I sacrificed everything else. I have no music. Uh, and I didn't ever have any music on any of my devices. So going all the way back to the Sony Walkman with the cassette tapes, you know, whenever I was exercising, out walking every day, in my car, personal professional development, never music. CD player, then it was the CD player, then it was the 80 gig iPod, not one piece of music on it. My iPhone, zero music. It's all personal professional development, books, you know, things like that. So I'm constantly pouring into myself. Now I'll listen to music here and there, but when I'm when I have time, I'm pouring into myself versus hours of sitting in front of the TV and just hanging out and just wasting time. So it's the determination, the desire, the discipline, and here's the big differentiator. So sure, how do you define an entrepreneur, right? It's bringing people and resources together. You know, let me read you the definition. Um, this is dictionary definition. A person who organizes and operates a business or businesses, here's the key right here, taking on greater than normal financial risk in order to do so. That's the big line that a lot of people won't, won't cross. You need to be willing to do whatever it takes. Put your entire fortune, your entire life savings, your entire future on the line for what you believe in. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to walk away from this, work seven you know, 12 hours a day, 16 hours a day, 18 hours a day, seven days a week without a paycheck and lose mm -hmm. everything you have walk away and start over again. Cause that's what entrepreneurs are willing to do. And that's what we do all day, every day. Yeah. That's what I call burn the boat mentality. You know? So when I left my employer, I, I left a very secure job with lots of money coming in to go the next day, basically unemployed or self-employed and starting a brand new business. And I'm having to tell my wife and our two small children that everything is going to be okay next month. Um, even though I just left my job and I'm going to start this new business and we, you know, we need to, and, and like you said, we, we, there were some sacrifices we had to make, but it was definitely a burn the boats mentality. We're going to succeed. There is no going back. 
you know, um, it's just, it's just, we're only moving forward. And, you know, in the Marine Corps, it's mission first. We talk about that mentality. Um, and then, and then I'm exactly on board with you too, is that if you go look at my vehicle, uh, there is, it, it's full of CDs and tapes. It's full of audio books and it's full of constantly feeding in uh, it, not only mindset and training, but, you know, cause life, life comes in and then you think you get busy, you get distracted and you constantly have to keep, uh, uh, what they call guard your gates, right? Guard your gates from, you know, the news. If you watch the news, if you watch anything, it's all about the negative. It's all about the clickbait. It's all about what's going on in the world. And, uh, if you look, if you look at my library or you look at the magazines I have around the house, it's all dream building material. You know, for some stupid reason, we got People Magazine. We didn't even subscribe to it. And I'm like, why would I ever read People Magazine? I don't care about the royal family. I don't care about Meghan and Markle and whatever they're going on. I don't, I don't want to hear about the A-listers in Hollywood. That means nothing to me. I want to do dream building. So I look at boats. I look at yachts. I look at cars. I look at airplanes. I look at vacation spots. Uh, I look at things that motivate me, and then I go into the the personal professional training, which is one of my taglines. Is is you know you have to continually educate yourself, get plugged in, and 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 it's never been easier. I mean, back in 2002 when I got going, the internet isn't what it is today. We didn't have the social media and the constant stuff. It is so easy to get information today. Right. So this thing right here, this cell phone, there's so much information on this cell phone. If you can't become independently wealthy and, and rich in today's Internet world and online, then you're missing the boat. So I don't care what well, the interest rates are. You know, not not everybody wants to. And that's OK. You know that it, this isn't for everybody. And, you know, that's an important takeaway is that, you know, so, you know, a couple of things there, like when you left that job. So, number one, there is no job security. Zero. And I think that's the one thing that's changed a lot since, you know, my parents' generation, you started in 2010. I started, you know, my entrepreneurial journey in 1997. I mean, you know, the world has changed. It used to be, you know, go to school, Robert Kiyosaki, go to school, get mm -hmm. a, get you know good grades, get a job, and your company will take care of you the rest of your life. It doesn't work that way anymore. Companies go out of business. They lay people off. Now, you know, you're expendable, you, you know, especially yeah. with technology and innovation. The only security you have is in yourself and how you develop yourself. We're in a skills-based economy. That's what gets the most money is skills. And then even yep. above skills, that's one level. Next above that is ideas. Ideas are the most valuable asset in this economy right now. And you know, those are ideas like, how do you solve a problem? Like coming up with an iPhone, putting a movie, having an idea for a movie or a song or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, That's where the, the, you know, the wealth and the greatness is created. But back to one of the employees that I made a mistake with, one was trying to promote somebody who didn't really want it and he failed. The other was trying to help somebody better themselves when they didn't really want it. I had an office manager bookkeeper who was two um, classes or semesters away from an accounting degree. She was my bookkeeper. And I said, you know, hey, I'll pay for your schooling so you can get your degree. Instead of going home every day and watching soap operas for lunch, you can stay here in the office and I'll pay for it and knock it out. An hour a day, you'll be done in like, I don't know, it was a year, you'll have two years done by going every single day, all year around for an hour a day, online school. She didn't do it. You know, she didn't, she wasn't, didn't care, wasn't that important to her. 
She would rather go home and watch soap operas at lunch and have lunch for an hour instead of educating herself and pouring into herself. Just like people would rather go home at the end of the day and sit on the couch and just watch TV the rest of the night, have, have a couple of beers or whatever, or a couple of glasses of wine, go to bed and do it all over. When you take that six hours or eight hours, mm-hmm. potentially that you're, you know, not working at your full-time job that you're working eight hours, you know, you, there's 24 hours in a day. If you sleep eight, you know, yeah. that leaves you another 16 hours to play with. Yeah. So if you're working eight, you've got eight more hours to develop yourself, start a side business, go look at real estate, do something, your vision board, your vision lifestyle, you know, that's a vision board, your magazines, whatever you look at, the houses, the vacations, all the things you're talking about, that's mm-hmm. a vision board, you know, which is great. But where's your vision plan? What are you going to do about that? So you can have yeah. a vision, but if you don't have a plan on how you're going to execute that vision, then you got nothing. You just got dreams. A dream is only a dream until you write that sucker down and put it into a plan. Then you yeah. got something. So, you know, uh, it, it's really interesting, you know, but but it's okay. Not everybody wants that. Not everybody wants to go for it. Not everybody wants to, you know, take that risk. Not everybody is cut out to be an entrepreneur. And that's where that whole born or bred, you know, or trained or taught conversation comes in. I think some of us are innately born with that desire to create and to take risk and to do things and others aren't. And that's okay because you need both for the world to go around. You do. Yeah, that's exactly right. You you, you need to have both. And, and you know, I, I I don't know if we're an oddity or whatever it is, but everybody has the same 24 hours in a day. And I always said, I'm not going to be Elon Musk. I'm not going to be Steve Jobs because I'm not going to go to that extreme to get those things. Like, you know, uh, where where those guys guys had ideas, you know, that's where the ultimate value is. It's in ideas. And they, and they slept on a cot in their offices and, you know, they're running multiple businesses all at once and things like that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not to that level, but at the same time, uh, I, I, I definitely, I definitely, I, I had definite conflicts when I was in corporate America and when I would have my yearly reviews and I was trying to get promoted and I was trying to get management positions and they were basically telling me, you know, no, just keep doing your billable hours and how much can we bill you for? You know, they talk about that corporate ladder. There's always a big butt in front of you as you're climbing the corporate ladder. There was always someone else that was going to get those opportunities for advancement. And I decided that the only way I was ever going to become a president of a company is to start the company. And and so that's what I went out and 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 did. But then that was that huge learning curve. Uh, where I, again, that burn the boats mentality. So it's, it's, you can do it on the side. You can have a full-time job and, and, um, and, and invest in real estate and start businesses on the side. And so you take care of, you take care of safe and security during the day, and then you become financially rich in the evenings or, a lot of these high net worth people that have these awesome jobs, if that's their bread and butter, they just they're just passive investors in in one of our real estate deals or syndications or funds, you know. So and and there's nothing wrong with that too because we need people like that to fund those yeah. deals and 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 we need those investors and they're more than happy to just be a passive investor in a deal and make a return on their money. So, uh, you know, we we need we need all of the above. So um, yeah, that's a great strategy. I have a lot of you know medical professionals, um, you know other professionals, you know business owners that they're so busy doing their thing that's their business. Yep. You know they don't have time for these other things. The way they compound 
is number one, minimizing and eliminating taxes through these vehicles, and then investing with, you know, operators and syndicators, you know, to grow and scale their wealth. And that's a great strategy as well. That's what I tell a lot of people. A lot of people that are in a very high paying job, you know, they, they think of it as drudgery. And I'm like, look, that's your business. What yeah. you need to do is how can you maximize the revenues from that business, eliminate your taxes, you know, using the law, you know, through real estate, you know, uh, opportunities that exist, and then grow and scale that revenue so that ultimately then you can, you know, step back and then do other things. So, uh, you know, it's just you know, a lot of different ways to skin the cat. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's the exact same words I've heard other people say too. Lots of ways to skin the cat. So I love it. I love it. All right. Well, we're kind of heading up on 40 minutes here. Um, One more no. thing. So in the development business, so I'm a merchant developer. Okay. My business model has always been, you know, build and sell, build and sell. You know, I don't like to be a landlord. I see your shirt that says student of yeah. money. Yep. So student of money, my philosophy in business, it's always been, I want to make the most amount of money with the least amount of time, energy and effort possible. I want to be a, a landlord of money, a landlord of cash, you know, not a landlord of assets. I want to be a landlord of cash. So my goal was always to grow and scale a pile of cash and manage that, be a manager of, of money and a manager of cash versus, you know, a landlord dealing with tenants and all that kind of thing. So, you know, just kind of an aside, you know, with your shirt, I love that student of money, you know, landlord of cash has kind of been always my business philosophy in terms of growing and scaling that. And that's what I've done through real estate, through businesses, through the markets and things like that. And uh, I love it. It doesn't talk back. It doesn't call you in the middle of the night. You don't have to evict it, collect, you know, any of that. No vacancies. I, I, yeah, nobody loves property management. I don't love property management. It really drugged me down and I really got um, tied into it where I was working so much in the properties or in the business. I couldn't work on the business because I had that mental block that nobody could do it better than me. I'm not going to partner, you know, who, who can I trust? And so it took me uh, going to a mastermind and paying for a mastermind to really open my mind up and to figure out what's my next step and what I'm going, what am I going to do? So once I became, uh, an, uh, you know, I was financially free and I really didn't have to do anything, but if I really wanted to take that momentum, I became an empty nester. My kids all went to college and they're all out of the house. And now I'm kind of like, uh, gee, I really don't have to be home at five o'clock. If I want to be gone for the weekend, I can be gone for the weekends. So I'm going to run hard for, uh, you know, five, 10 more years and, and really see what I can do now. And then, you know, I've got this 20 years of, of entrepreneurial and, and business owner, and it hasn't all been sunshine and roses. And now I can use this knowledge to help educate the people that are just getting going and just getting started on how can they accelerate uh, theirs because you know you I kind of forget how scary it was early on and that unknown you know they talk about fear being false appear uh, what is it um, false expectations false appearing, real. appearing real you know and just that unknown and and I get that and 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 worrying about how you're going to pay your mortgage and how you're going to you know take care of the family and and it's a stressful time. And uh, I remember my college professor when I was getting my undergraduate degree talking about if you're going to go get an, a master's degree or a PhD, do it right after your undergrad 
before you go out and start a family and get a job, it's much easier because you're used to being a student and you're used to being in debt and you're used to that lifestyle. So it's much easier to go right into graduate school. It says, if you go out and get a job, you know, and you start popping out kids and getting married and have a house payments and all of those things, it's much more unlikely for you to come back and get your master's and, and, and or get your PhD because now you have all of these responsibilities that weigh in on you and it probably won't happen. And, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. And that's people do get bogged down. And, and I talk to people every month about, you know, how, how do they get past this and how do, how do they get beyond that and how do they do that? And it's surrounding yourself with like-minded people. It's getting around uh, people that pull you up and that pull you down. You know, that whole average, you're the average of the five people that you spend the most amount of time with. And <clears throat> what are you really doing? What are you putting in your brain to push out all that negativity that's on the news every day? And then, uh, you know, whether or not you've got, you've got it inside you to, to, to push past, push past that. So, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. Best yeah. way to get over your fears is, you know, educating yourself, taking action, becoming confident, competent, which, you know, creates confidence. So, you know, the best way to get over fear is to just get out there and do it. Because once you've done it, you look back and you go, wow, that went so bad. Yeah. You know, 80 to 90% of what you're afraid of is never going to happen. My my last Robert Kiyosaki quote, and then uh, I, and I've only heard it on one tape, and I've never heard him tell this story before. He talks about how he was shot down three times in Vietnam. Uh, and he was a helicopter pilot. And he talks about over, he was over the South China Sea at 1500 feet. And uh, his engine went, his engine quit. And of course, when you're in a, a gunship, we said with a crew of five and machine guns and everything like that at 1500 feet, it, it, it drops like a rock. And, and your first instinct in aviation is to pull back. Right. You want to pull back on the stick and try to gain altitude and save yourself from plunging into the ground or the ocean. But what you really have to do and what the military teaches you to do and what any pilot will teach you to do is you actually have to push the stick forward. So even though you're very close to the ground, you actually actually have to dive that aircraft into the ground to gain airspeed and in helicopters it's called auto rotation. So if you lose your engine, you can auto rotate the helicopter down, but you have to, that's why they always say altitude and airspeed is your friend. You actually have to push forward instead of pull back and you have to do it within a split second or you're gonna stall and crash. And, and that's kind of like what it's like building a business is you have to know when to push forward instead of pulling back. And it's a very difficult time to do that because there's a lot on the line. And, and, you know, and I say you have to be able to, if you push forward and something goes wrong, is it going to kill you and take you out and, you know, file bankruptcy or whatever, or are you going to survive it? So, you know, it's that split second decision on what's going on. I need to push forward and not pull back. So it's a great story that I've only heard from him at one time. And if I ever talk to him, I'm going to try to have him say it again, because I think it's a perfect analogy of what sometimes people have to do and what your mentality has to do to push through a problem is push forward instead of pull back. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times you're closer to where you're headed than where you came from. And, you know, most people don't see that because you just don't see it in the way and it stops them. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. 
Okay, I think this is a great place to stop. Is there anything else that you'd want to, you know, tell our listeners before we, uh, you know, how do we get a hold of you? What's your website? What's your information? Yeah, yeah. So gregdickerson.com, that's where everything is. I've got a YouTube channel uh, with, you know, thousands of videos on it, all about real estate, entrepreneurship, leadership, mindset. I talk about stocks and crypto, uh, do kind of, you know, daily and weekly market updates there. So yeah, gregdickerson.com, go check it out. Awesome. Awesome. That's where I found you. I, I, it came up because again, I want to build and you've got a program for our builders and development. So I'm definitely going to check that out. And, uh, um, you know, again, got to gain that knowledge. So, and you've got that experience. So I appreciate you coming on the show today and giving us, uh, and my listeners, your knowledge. I think we had a great conversation about entrepreneurship mindsets and uh, really what it takes to move forward. And I really love how you, you know, surrounded yourself with people so that you could really accelerate and, and really leverage other, other skills to, uh, you know, grow faster. I yeah, think that, absolutely. that's what it yeah. takes surrounding yourself with the right people, uh, you know, with the right skills, learning from them, getting out of their way, putting your ego aside and uh, freeing them up to achieve greatness. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. All right. All right, Greg, thanks for being on the show today. And, uh, you know, again, uh, I highly recommend going out and, and checking out your material, check out your website, uh, subscribe to your, to your information because, uh, it's valuable. And it's, like I said, it's, it's like-minded, just like me. So we're, 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 we're hitting the exact same information. Uh, but your experience is much different than mine. So you, you, you approach it at your angle and, 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 uh, you know, that that's what it takes is 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 surrounding yourself with like-minded individ, individuals that can give you that knowledge. So I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks. Bye bye. All right, guys. What did you think of our interview with Greg Dickerson? Greg clearly has decades of experience in entrepreneurship, leadership, and real estate development. If you're interested in these topics, I recommend you check out his website at gregdickerson.com. All right, guys, that's all the time we've got this week. I've got another great guest scheduled for next week, so make sure you smash the like button, subscribe, and join our community on our website at studentofmoney.org. My name's Jeff Niemeyer, and I'm your host. And always remember, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. See you next week. For you guys that stuck around till the very end, I got a little nugget for you. The market right now is shifting. It's turning from a seller's market into a buyer's market. So what does exactly does that mean? What that means is, is there's a discrepancy right now between the seller's price and what buyers are willing to pay because interest rates are going up. Our property taxes have gone up. The numbers just don't pencil out. What you need to do is you need to hold fast don't compromise. You need to put in offers that you think are going to work for you in today's market. It will turn. I promise you it's going to change. You just got to hang in tough. There's a lag, probably about a six-month lag behind these interest rate increases, but these prices will start to come down. Talk to you soon.